Folks, a quick message from our sponsors, Know Before. So what's a con game? It's a fraud that works by getting the victim to misplace their confidence in the con artist. In the world of cybersecurity, we call confidence tricks social engineering. And as our sponsors, Know Before, will tell you, human error is how most organizations are compromised. What are some of the ways organizations are victimized by social engineering? We'll find out here in just a minute. Now, our sponsors' questions about forms of social engineering come in this form. Know Before will tell you that there's human contact, there can be con games. It's important to build the kind of security culture in which your employees are enabled to make smart security decisions. To do that, they need a new school security awareness training. See how security culture stacks up against Know Before's free phishing test. Get it now at knowbefore.com forward slash phishing test. That's knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Now, no before wants to thank you for listening to the show and I want to thank them for sponsoring it. They are the provider of the world's largest security awareness and simulated fishing platform. Be sure to take advantage of their free fishing test, which you can find at knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Think no before for your security training. From the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio, you're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast Tech Corner. And now, join me in welcoming your host and CISO, James Azar. Hello, veterans, audience, geeks, peeps, nerds, and cybersecurity enthusiasts of all walks of life, shapes, and forms. Welcome to the Cyber Hub Podcast Veteran November episodes. We've done so many of these already. We've spoken to people from all walks of life, from all creeds, and joining me today is just another one of the brave men and women that represent our armed services, Mark Lind. He's the head of digital business. What's happening, Mark? Uh, you know what? Just uh, join myself and, uh, you know, just kind of working our way through. Keep it, keep it up. It's been a tough time this 2020, but uh, things are looking up and a lot of good things are going on. And Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it it less a little over a month left in this year, and 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 I can't wait for it to be over with, folks. Before we get uh, going on today's podcast, if you have not subscribed to our podcast, yes, please make sure to do so right now. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe, hit the bell button. If you're listening on your favorite podcast listening platform, subscribe, give us a review and comments. Those always help. We love to hear from you. You can find all of our awesome, amazing, groundbreaking content at cyberhubpodcast.com so go there for that mark i've done done i, I i'm done with my pitch right i mean it's, right. it's, it's <laughs> 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 um uh it's so funny i have to like create a checklist of things i need to say because if i don't tell people to if like if it's not written i'd forget to tell people to subscribe to the show <laughs> hey you gotta get it in there you got a lot of good content out there especially with all these bats right so yeah so 26 episodes for the month of november veteran november uh giving people one uh library to get all the advice from all the people of all kinds of backgrounds man from combat to signal to intel to air force navy army marine corps uh we've had i've had someone from england actually on the show so um you know kind of reached out to 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 the other side of the pond in an extension of veterans because most of us who've been in battle have always been with uh our british counterparts um yeah there's a lot of us there's a lot of veterans i mean they come 
They come in every form. It's uh, pretty amazing. A lot of our a lot of our uh, stuff that we did um, in the Rangers and A Second Airborne, we did with uh, we did a lot with the British uh, military, the German. Uh, just go down the list, Panamanian. We did a lot of different things, and and uh, all really good people. Yeah, indeed. So, Mark, tell us a little bit about your military background. Um, what branch of the military did you serve in, and and what what did you do, um, more or less, with what you can share? Sure. No, I I proudly served in the U.S. Army. I, I was really happy. My dad was a Marine. My brother was uh, in the Navy. And my uncle was in the Army um, and captured in the Battle of the Bulge and uh, was the command sergeant major. He was a senior guy in the uh, camp. And so they all made a huge impact on me. So I played football in college and uh, I decided, you know, after I'd messed up my knee, I was going to you know, rehabilitate it and go in the military. And I had a very I, I wanted to go. I was super excited about going. I wanted to continue the legacy my family has with the military. And um, I ended up spending just a little under five years. I was in the uh, 3rd Ranger Battalion, um, 2nd 325, the 82nd Airborne, and uh, was attached to the 2nd 187th down in Panama. And uh, I loved every single minute of it. I would do it again gladly. <laughs> that is a, a common theme among veterans, right? I think every single one of us has like his uniform hanging somewhere in the closet. I do. Right? Um, with your shined boots, with the right socks, underwear, and undershirt, because yep. you know you can't go in, in in anything but issue, right? And you're just you always constantly like look at your phone and is it U.S. government? Is it U.S. government? Is it U.S. government? Right? Um, because because you're waiting for a caller ID. Is that, is that a two hundred two number? Is that a two hundred two? That's the Pentagon, isn't it? That's the Pentagon, <laughs> and it's some Indian telemarketer trying to tell you that the IRS and the police are outside your door. <laughs> Mister yeah. Mark, we have all of your information. The police is right outside your door. Your IRS very much money. I know it's unbelievable. This it's gotten <laughs> those robocalls have gotten out of hand, and and uh, we we talked about. It. I have I have a bunch of my buddies that are. Uh, I'm still very close to in, in Phoenix and Boston, et cetera, and uh, that served with me. And I got to tell you, it's a, it's a real community. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a global community because they live all over. I mean, we have so many expats in Costa Rica, for example, and um, it's pretty amazing um, the diversity and the excitement um, uh, when everybody gets together. And when you run into them, I run into them all the time. In fact, I, I know uh, Patrick Benoit. Uh, here, here in Dallas as well, where I'm at. Right. Just, it's just a very common thing, and it's really great to, to see the other vets and hear their stories and see how they kind of got into cybersecurity. Yeah, Pat's um, Pat's an old friend. I, I, I love Pat. Um, funny, funny story is um, right before COVID broke out, first week of February, um, I was in Dallas. We did a, a CISA roundtable. We did a live podcast. Um and we did a bunch of uh, we did a live podcast over with our friends at Armor, and then um, we did a CISA roundtable and a tour of the new data bank data bank data center with Mark oh. over there and, and 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 Pat, and and it was a blast, man. It was like right it was like right before COVID. It was a few weeks before RSA. It was great. I was like, this year I had it all planned out, right? It was going to be Dallas. It was going to be San Francisco, right? Then we were going to hit Boston. Like I was on the road this year. I had it all planned out, 
right? I had Israel on my calendar twice to go do this stuff over there. Um, and, 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 and then, you know, COVID, right? And, and this isn't a podcast about COVID, but, but, you know, our resiliency in the military, I know a lot of people that have broken down with COVID. I think it made us resilient as veterans. Like our resiliency just kicked in, like our training kicked in, like, okay, we got this invisible enemy. Well, is it really invisible? What's strategically the right things to do? Like, I know many veterans that were like, yeah, I'm not listening to the CDC. I'm doing my own research. I've spoken to this guy over here and this guy over there and and, and, and so forth. It's, there's an aspect to that. So how did you get into InfoSec? So you were kind of a combat guy. Um, it was. It was. Yeah. So, so, you know, I love the story of combat guys because when I enlisted, I was 13 Bravo in the Army. And then they switched me to 35 Lima when I did the ASFATs. They were like, uh, no, no, you you go there. You go there. I was like, yeah. but but that's the only reason I enlisted. I wanted to blow shit up. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> you, you'll blow shit up later. Right now you're going to go do this. Um, and, and so tell me, how would you end up in InfoSec? Well, I did want to blow shit up. That, that's a lock. Um, I right. Was, that's I that's was, why you go into the army. You want to play with multi-million dollar toys that blow yeah. shit up. That's it. And I was fascinated with the idea of airborne. Uh, I was fascinated uh, with uh, Rogers Rangers in World War II. I was fascinated with the history. And because my family has a lot of military history, um, for me, it was it really struck a chord. So um, when I went into the recruiter and was talking to him, he goes, well, there's a $5,000 bonus to go into the Rangers and you were already going to do airborne. You might as well do that. And I was like, sign me up. And I go, when would I leave? And he goes today. And I was today. And uh, I was like, okay, um, great. So I didn't, my family didn't know where I was for four days. Um, I got down to uh, Fort Benning, Georgia and uh, (laughs) ended up uh, calling them when I finally got up at some time. And, and they're like, where are you? I was like, I'm, I'm in Fort Benning, see you in four years. And uh, everybody kind of got a kick out of it. But I just wanted to, I wanted to jump out of planes. I was thrilled with it. And the CyberSec thing was a really interesting experience. It kind of shows you how fragile and interesting life can be. Um, I got hurt on a jump. And uh, I, I tore up my knee again, um, in my other knee. And uh, But it was a pretty easy recovery, about a two-month recovery. So during that time, um, they uh, came out with, with these grid boxes that were for fire control, right? And uh, for mortars, I ended up being uh, in the mortars. And um, so once I started doing that and you put in, you know, uh, all the, the information from the 13 Foxtrot, the Ford Observer, and, and you put in, you know, what you're trying to do, there's a couple of barometric pressure, some other wind speed, things like that. It calls out deflection elevation for you in the charge. Right, which was very plot board driven, slow, uh, could be very tragic and mistakes. And uh, the minute I did that, I really was lucky. I was very blessed. I knew right then that I was getting out and I was going back to the University of Tulsa, where I'd gone before, and I was going to get my degree in MIS or, or computer science, which I did. Um, and I was just intensely focused. But by the same token, I was like, I'm going to do the very best job I can. I even extended to go to the Sinai Desert for six months and do the multinational force observers. So I was driven. But during that time, I was messing with Macs. I was messing with all kinds of computers. I was educating myself the best I could. And I came out, got my degree, worked um, in operations for Armada Hess at night on um, mainframes. And uh, there were some security guys in there. And he goes, you know... I don't know what you're going to end up doing when you get done with this. He goes, but security's pretty awesome. This is the early days of security. 
And I go, okay, no, and I started to get interested in it. And then, you know, all the movies and, and kind of some of the celeb stuff came out about it. And I was already into it. And, and something about the structure that we have in the military, something about, you know, doing a good job and doing it right um, and doing it with a whole lot of pride um, really, really uh, it comes out great in cybersecurity. It, it puts you in a really good place in the cybersecurity field. Yeah, there's um, um, it, it, it's interesting to see the path of combat people into InfoSec, right? Um, a lot of times it's um you see the traditional and i mean traditional uh i don't know if i'd say stereotype but but let's say the traditional path right you you go into the military you're in cryptography you build your career in cryptography you may go work for a three-letter agency you then kind of transition out maybe after 10 years you go to the defense industrial complex you work for one of those guys for about another 10 15 20 years and then you go into the private sector right and and that's kind of the path, and you're always kind of in that military bubble. Uh, was that the case for you, or did you essentially five years computer science, and then you went into uh, in, into into private? Uh, uh, you so became a citizen. I into, yeah, I went to private, um, and I you know after I graduated from University of Tulsa um, and doing that operations gig uh, with Amarillo Hess, I got out and and I immediately started working in technology and IT. Uh, but on the uh, not on the vendor side by any stretch. I was totally on the other side and worked my way up uh, to uh, CIO um, and then uh, CSO because they didn't call them CISOs back then, right? They were CSOs. Um, and then uh, ended up being the CEO of a company for a while. And then in the next one, I ended up being the CIO and CISO um, and CTO for a large financial services, a global uh, financial services company. And then did a CISO, uh, another CISO gig after that before I came over here and went to the dark side, uh, <laughs> vendor side, right? And- I, I don't know. I, I disagree with the uh, dark side, <laughs> vendor side approach. Um, you know, I, 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 there's a lot of great vendors out there, there's right? Amazing vendors, yeah, there right. And, and so they're not all dark side. I think what's the dark side is when they don't invest in training their people. And so then yeah. they end up getting a bad rep because, you know, they're trying to get bodies out there talking, but they're not really teaching those bodies how to talk. Well, yeah, and, and they're always pitching. I think you know, that's the one that's the one thing you have to get used to when you go to that side. And, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of brilliant people in technology now, especially on the cybersecurity side that are making huge impacts that people never see, never recognize and never know. Right. Um, being the vendor and I go out and spend all this time with the CISOs and CIOs, we get recognized. But all those people, like a lot of the business CISOs at Bank of America, Wells Fargo, who are facing a tremendous amount of effort um, because there's a lot of attacks, a lot of drama, a lot of, a lot of threat vectors, a huge attack surface. I mean, it's crazy. Um, they're doing amazing work and they get little to no recognition except internally because they don't even want them talking about it outside of work. Because it's a security risk. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I'll tell you when um, for my CISO Talk podcast, um, it's always challenging to get some of the big fortune CISOs on the show. We yes. have to jump through right. loopholes. Um, it takes months, months to get them on the show. Months. Let me tell you, it, I think the longest I've ever had to get a CISO on the show was five months. Oh boy! <laughs> like we started talking. I think it was. Uh, 
June and it wasn't, he did, we didn't get approval until October and then we're recorded in November. Yeah, that sounds about right. Somebody, right. It's funny. I, there's an amazing CISO veteran. I won't say what city, but it's one of the top 15 cities in the United States. Brilliant CISO. And he, he told me a story. He's like, Mark, because we're fellow veterans, so we, 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 we kind of laugh and joke. He says, look, I went to a conference, and you know, I just felt like I had things to say, and people were asking me questions, and I told them a little bit about this and that. And he goes, the next day, our, the attacks, the number of attacks uh, went up 71% and it lasted for three days and people were doing some of the things he said in there was a little bit too much information um and so they were trying to use those as additional attack vectors and and, and, and intel to you know get it get it break into their environment and then try to move east and west and he was luckily he he kind of thought about it before it came out before all that stuff and he and he took a lot of uh you know actions positive actions but it's it's that kind of thing right and he, here's a former um, Navy Intel guy. This is a sharp cat. This is somebody who really knows his stuff. And so for, it, it's a good lesson for all of us. And I think especially for veterans that are used to having some kind of, uh, you know, uh, secrecy involved in, in what their job uh, is, what they do, what their movements are, you know, if they're in CONUS, out of CONUS, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. Um, the, the idea of of, of, of secrecy. One thing I will tell you in conferences is uh, be careful what you talk. Uh, even on my podcast, we never talk about, um, on my sister talk podcast, we never talk about security posture. What are you doing? What vendors you're using? What's your attack surface? Um, I try to stay out of those. Um, and, and kind of, because I realize, and I know for a fact that my content is viewed by friendlies as much as it's viewed, if not more by our adversaries by yeah. people who want to harm our organizations, uh, by people who are trying to gain an upper hand, a little piece of insight, uh, uh, anything like that. And so it's, 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 you've got to be, I'm always mindful of that as I host the podcast. Let's talk a little bit about your transition though. Um, you know, one of the most difficult parts for any service member is, is that moment you drive off, you sign off and you drive off and all of a sudden you're no longer, you know, um, rank, last name your or just last name um it just depends on 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 <laughs> on, on, right. on who you were right you could right. you, you could be sergeant lind or you can be lind it just that that's just you know um <laughs> that's completely up to you but uh to talk a little bit about that transition and, and what were some of the things um that you 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 did well and and you planned for and what were some of the things that you didn't plan for that you You'd be like, hey, you guys, watch out for this because this is the one thing, you know, if you don't have drive, if you don't have motivation, if you, it can it can really set you back. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I, I speak at a veteran events and I do it for some of the manufacturers as well because they all have veteran programs. Um, and when they find out I'm a vet, they often ask me, especially with cybersecurity. It's become, as you pointed out, um, veterans and cybersecurity is, is, is a pretty much like peas and carrots to, you know, to quote a famous movie. And um, uh, I think one of the interesting things when I got out, like I said, I really knew what I wanted to do. I was very focused. Uh, but, but during the transition, uh, I noticed that people um, in the civilian world don't have the same level of, of uh, structure. So some of the structure, maybe some of the pride, you know, some of that um, and when working as a team wasn't there. 
um, and some of that, uh, and, and that's a comfort, right? For, for after spending almost five years, I had a level of comfort with that. And so going out there and all of a sudden going from, you know, uh, a very structured environment where you kind of know where you stood on a daily basis, um, what you were supposed to be accomplishing, what effort it was going to take, um, taking a lot of pride in that effort um, to going out and then all of the deals and dealing with all the politics of, you know, a corporate corporate event, corporate job, blah, blah, blah. It was a big difference. Um, but I think where if I could, you know, where I kind of saw the transition that I found, I found important was going into cybersecurity, going into technology was a good transition for me. It was, I was thinking about some of the other choices. If I'd gone into marketing or gone into maybe something that's maybe not so um, structured um, as you were. And, and it, it made a, it made a big impact. And, and even going from uh, IT to cybersecurity, that was a big difference. Um, I, there's definitely more structure. There's definitely more, um, you know, you have to be very, there's greater attention to detail, which we know in the militaries. If you don't have attention to detail, you won't be a sergeant or an officer, right? You won't. You won't. Uh, you'll find yourself in a bad place. And I think that being able to take the, what I learned during that five years, uh, take the, the structure, take the pride, um, the camaraderie that I had where we're working with a team, um, really facilitated my ability to rise quickly um, in, you know, in the civilian world, but specifically in technology and cybersecurity, for sure. Yeah, there's, um, th- there's, a, there, there's a piece to that that I feel um, um, people who come from special forces are very structured as individuals, right? The military trains yeah. you to think a specific way. And so you left, you were very determined, you knew what you wanted to do, you had started it, and and then you went to the military because you couldn't, you know, you played football, and, and, and you couldn't continue, and that, you know, you've overcome a lot of different challenges in your life. So when you look at this, you've overcome two different injuries. One of, one of uh, the things I see with a lot of veterans that I speak with is the people who are on medical discharge who are beat up, right? Because they didn't get a chance to uh, fulfill their military potential, their yeah. service potential, right? They, they feel like they were cut short um, for, for whatever reason. And a lot of times, you know, the injury to them isn't a big deal, but for the military, it's a standard, right? The military is a complex. It's got policies. It's got procedures. It, it's not willing to take a risk um, of putting someone who, who could not even be 100% out on the battlefield, um, you know, in the event that's needed. And I'm grateful that over the last four years, we haven't needed to send our, our, our brothers and sisters over to fight another war. Um, so that is, that is, yeah. that is something that I've been, uh, you know, in the month of November, as you and I are speaking, it's the month of thankfulness beyond veterans day, right? Thanksgiving. It it's is. the best part. Yeah. It's, you know, the, the, there's two American holidays, right? <laughs> two holidays that define America, 4th of July and Thanksgiving. Yes. Period. Yes. And, and you know, I, I, I find it interesting, regardless of all the political drama that goes on on our planet, it's every country. It's not just here. I, I've traveled a lot and I still travel a lot. And, you know, you see it. But um, I think what's interesting is uh, veterans as a whole are given, um, are seen in kind of a special light in many cases, except for those, to your point, that have had medical issues or had a tough time with the transition. 
um, the way they're treated and, you know, them sleeping on the street or not being able to get medical attention or these things, it's truly tragic. It's one of the, it's one of the most uh, disturbing things that um, people have to deal with that have been in the military is the idea of, you know, here are my brothers and sisters that I worked hard with and did all this and, you know, they're sleeping on the street or they can't feed their kids or, you know, they're struggling and yet they serve this country and did it proudly and they deserve a lot better. And I, I'm a firm believer in that. And a lot of the events that I speak at or go to, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of military veterans in those. And I always pay extra attention because a lot of them are struggling. Uh, I, I think some people that I think in some some cast of light, people think that veterans don't struggle as, as a whole. I don't believe that at all. I think 20, 30 percent of all veterans struggle. It could be PTSD. It could be medical issues they had. It could be, you know what, they just came out and weren't prepared for the transition. I'm glad you, you brought that up in this call. It's it's, you know, in this podcast, it's a it's a it's an important thing. And we need to spend more time as a and I don't want to preach or evangelize, but I, I firmly believe we got to do more for our veterans. They they are they are many of the. The people that people, you know, many of the of the uh, things that people worry about, people being poor, not being able to do anything, not be able to get medical attention. Hey, just take a look at the veterans, because 20, 30 percent of them, that is what happens. Yeah. And that's not maybe. That's for sure. So so the, I, I have a very uh, um, um, I, I have a perspective about why we see so many of our, uh, our brothers predominantly on the streets. Um and and it has nothing to do with drug and alcohol abuse. It has everything to do with the transition. Something always goes wrong in the transition. Um, you, you come back from war, you're not the same person um, you go into. And I think all of us, all of us, everyone I've spoken with has been deployed at one point or another in their career because for the last... 70 years we've been in perpetual conflicts where we yeah. fly over to to different countries to eliminate threats to the homeland and eliminate threats to our way of life and 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 understandable again we're not going to get into the politics of war that's not the point of this right, right. Here, here's where our veterans uh come back um they're different with their family and sometimes their families move on. Something, you know, we don't always talk about, but a wife or girlfriend that's with someone else because you were gone for too long. Or um, uh, family's well, different. Right, the divorce rate is huge. The divorce right. rate, especially when they return. If they were outside of CONUS and they come back to CONUS and then um, they're discharged, regardless of what they're, what, what, how they were discharged, you know, to your point, it's just a horrifying transition for, for many people. It's, it's, it's almost more than they can handle. And in many cases, it is more than they can handle. The military gives you one thing. It gives you a sense of pride and purpose. It gives you structure. And when you discharge, when you're out, you lose that. Yes. And so what happens is things start to slowly step away from structure. So you come home. And you're discharged, and now you're excited to start your civilian life with your family, with your wife, and with your kids. And then, as you've indicated, divorce rate. Now, all of a sudden, that structure, that security blanket strips. Now, you're at a dead-end job, right? You're working in some factory or or you're doing some sort of you know uh, dead-end job that has no purpose, no end in sight. It's wake up, wash, rinse, repeat all over again every single day, take a day off, deal with bullshit. You know, people complaining about the dumbest stuff when, you know, you, you were shot at or attacked or you've seen, you know, your 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 brothers and sisters die in battle, you know, and, and, and so forth. And, and InfoSec 
And I think this is one thing why I wanted to do this Veteran November and why I wanted to do these episodes and why I wanted to bring people like you on, Mark. Um, InfoSec gives you purpose. It does. InfoSec gives you structure. Uh, Cyber gives you a sense of pride. It returns that self-worth, that ability to be part of a brotherhood and a team. If you're a SOC analyst and you're working with 20 other people in that SOC, that is your unit. That is your platoon. Those are the men and women that you serve with to protect the organization or the clients of your organization who are entrusting you to ensure that their perimeter security is set, that nothing gets through the door, right? That sense of purpose in InfoSec, I think, doesn't exist in any other industry. Does not. I agree. And you know what's interesting is a lot of that has to do with tempo, too. You think about when you're in the military, there's a tempo. You get right. up in the morning, you go have your meal, you're out in the field, boom, 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 boom. But there's constant tempo. And the tempo is so uh, upbeat. I spent my entire five, almost five years in SOC, Special Operations Command, and the tempo is ridiculous. Um, it's ridiculous if you're not prepared for it. It's, re- it's ridiculous if you don't have the structure and the ability to do that. It's really ridiculous if you don't want to be there. And I think that's one of the things. You don't have a choice. Once you're out of the military, there's there's no, I don't want to be here anymore. There's no out. The tempo that you now see is going to be a reduced tempo in almost every case, in most cases. Um, and when that tempo is not there and that structure is not there, People languish. They're they're not self motivated. They don't have the tools and and the, the support system that the military gives you to be successful. And I think uh, some people can flourish in that environment and and adapt. Some people cannot. And and you know it's nothing against those that cannot. It's it's just the the nature of the beast. Right, right. I think that the fact that InfoSec though has a different tempo and it's got a different experience. Yes. Um, and and. I think one thing we, we t- I always tell veterans when I speak at events is, listen, in, in InfoSec, we don't just need guys who know how to code, right? We're, we don't need a Mr. Robot from everyone, right? right? We need g- people who know how to build relationships. We need people who understand strategy. We need people who can um, um, uh, market. We need people who can talk. We need people who can think. We need thinkers. We need people who can solve problems. By You know, I, I have a saying for combat guys. I go, if you look at a map, can you recognize weak points? They go, yeah. And I did this experiment at an event. I printed out huge posters. And we're almost out of time, folks, so bear with us here. Um, I, pin- I printed out these huge posters, right? And it was maps. And one of them was an IT map. Another one was like a ground map. But we made them look very, very similar. And I said, find all the weak points. And so, you know, groups are working on them. And uh, w- one of the groups was was combat guys that are about to get out of the service, right? They had about three, four months in. And this was a workshop I was doing on base. And um, um, guys get up. They look. At, they all look at the maps and they go, now you want to know what you guys solved? And they go, yeah. And I was like, those were IT maps. And guess what? You guys nailed them each. That's fantastic. That's right. A, and then that's, they went, that's a great exercise. Yeah. And they went, huh? And I was like, yeah, you guys are now IT experts. You guys can look at an IT network. And recognize anywhere it is vulnerable to an attack and put together a strategy of how to defend it. What would you do? You'd build a wall. Okay, what does a wall translate to? Would you dig a ditch? What's a ditch mean? How does ditch translate in IT? Right? Would you put extra guards, extra sensors, cameras? Would you put on ground sensors? What would you do? All those things. And what are those? Now, how does that translate to IT? And um, and, and they all left and they went, huh. 
So all we need to do is just translate this stuff in IT terms, right? So, okay. so what, what's a motion sensor in IT? Right? Like a, like a detection tool. All right. Brilliant. Right? Like, so, so like, yeah. but, but, but that's the thing is I, f- I feel like a lot of times when we're talking, we're talking in our language, we're forgetting to speak in their language and give them the confidence that they can do it. Right. Just building that confidence that, you know what, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, the best warrior on the field, we still need you in cyber because we need warriors in cyber. We need people who are going to look yeah. at a problem and find a out of the box way to do it. Because with all due respect to a lot of our engineers and architects and coders, right, they are trained to think in a box. One of the things I always talk about with certs is I go, you know, you need certs to survive, but don't let the cert be let the cert add to your knowledge. Don't let it be the definition of your knowledge. Don't go into that square box of a cert. Let the cert build it, but but think beyond the cert. If that makes sense. Yeah, you know, you, you absolutely do. You know, like you, I, I have a bunch of certs. I have even given up some because I just couldn't do all the continuing education. Uh, there's just too many, uh, too much drama. So uh, to your point, I learned shortly thereafter or, or even during that process that, you know, it's not about cert. So you have to have one or two to you know, justify um, and validate your experience so they can hire you. And, and plus, there's additional monies that come along with it, especially early in your career. But I think the, the interesting part of that is, is that uh, over time, it really becomes about if you have pride in what you're doing, if you're truly, if this is truly what you want to do. I think, unfortunately, there are people that get into cyber, and I see this from time to time, and it's just not what they really wanted to do, but they were excited about the money and the fact there's a lot of demand and all that. And they got into it and, and they just they weren't going to be successful. Right. They couldn't they weren't going to they weren't on a path to succeed. And, and I think that's one of those things. So if if the cert is it seems very uh, uh, distasteful for you and painful, if uh, your first job, you're not getting it then you need to move east and west in in your experience and find out, is there something in cybersecurity? Like you said, it's very broad. There's a lot of disciplines in cybersecurity. Find the one that that sings to you, so the one that will make you happy going into work each day because I don't know how you are, but I'm I'm pretty sure I know uh, based on, you know, spending time with you, et cetera, and seeing what you do. I love what I do. I get up in the morning singing. I'm just happy as I can be. I love cybersecurity, and I love being a vet, and I like going out and making a positive impact in a cra- on people in a crazy world. I, I agree. We're, we're almost out of time. Uh, we're actually over time, not out of time. We're over time. <laughs> I've promised people 30 minutes, but then right. I get veterans like you who I want to talk to for three hours and do Joe Rogan-style podcasts like I do on my CISA talk, but I can't. Promise people 30 minutes and, 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 and I got to stay true to my word and I don't want to edit any of this stuff out. So guys, I'm sorry. I'm going to ask Mark a last question and then we're going to sign off and, and then, um, Mark and I will think of a creative way to bring you more great content. Um, so, uh, Mark, what's one thing you loved about your military service? One thing I love. Yeah. I, I absolutely love the camaraderie. I, I, I just, for me, it was second to none. I've never found it again. I, I have great friends. I have wonderful family. I have all that. But being in a stick on a plane at night when it's raining and you know the wind speed's higher, they're going they're going five miles an hour, and, and really we all know it's 10 or 15, um, and you look at each other and you exit that aircraft uh, and you land and then you go find your brother and go to the panels. Hey, that's a special experience. There's... There's something amazing about 
uh, being in the 82nd and 700 people leaving the plane as you go over the top of a, of a field and trying to find your way to the ground and find your way to your team and start to be positive and to take positive movement and do those things. It's that camaraderie. It's that teamwork. It is my, my hair standing up on my arm right now. It is the most exciting part. I, I, if I could ask for anything, if I could close my eyes and ask for, I'd ask for more camaraderie. I loved it. It was just intoxicating. Folks, um, every single episode has ended with that comment. Every has it really? single episode thus far has ended. The answer to this question should just be, so do you miss the camaraderie? And just let that be, <laughs> let's just, you know. But I, I, find it, I find it to be the best experiment for people to understand in today's era of social media, right? We see this with our kids that need to belong, right? The yeah, pure cool. ability yeah. of to belong to the brotherhood. And when you leave, it's never there. I guarantee you if, if I was in Dallas tomorrow, folks, and I needed something and I called Mark or Pat, or any other veteran I know that stand up on their two back feet and be like, we're, we're there for you, brother. In a minute. Jeez. In Absolutely. a minute. We don't even need to know each other. What? I mean, I'll, I'll, you know, we had something happen here in Georgia, folks, where we knew of a, of, a, of a veteran World War II survivor who had perished and he had no family. And he was a Holocaust survivor as a kid. He left right when uh, Germany invaded Poland, came to this country, and then five years later joined our armed services and went to fight to free the country that he came here from. Amazing. No family. He 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 passed away here in uh, in, in in Georgia, and he was a, he was a Jewish man, and I'm I'm Jewish. I don't hide that. I, I say that to people all the time. I'm like I'm not perfect. Um, neither are you. So, um, <laughs> right, right. But um, um. And so the rabbi calls me up and he goes, we need 10 people to do a minion, right? In Judaism, in order to elevate someone's soul, you got to have 10 men in a quorum, right? You got to have a quorum, gotcha. just 10 men. And so I um, I, I called the, the VFW here. I ended up calling a few state senators, a few people. Um, the next day we had 700 people show up. Holy smokes. Wow. 700 people show up. We had veteran Harley clubs come and escort the hearse. We had um, um, the national, uh, the, 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 um, what's it called? Um, Fort Gordon and Fort Benning fought over who's going to send the, the units to, uh, to do the 21 gun salute. Oh, the color guard. The yeah. color guard. Um, we had people just, come come from everywhere community people from just the community and you know i was standing there looking in in in, in awe my rabbi looks at me and he goes uh you did a mitzvah and a mitzvah is a good deed in hebrew and yiddish learn it it's a good word mitzvah when someone says you're a mensch or you did a good mitzvah those are good things i know you're in texas mark and you know y'all don't get a lot of jews over there but every once in a while there's a few in the crowd and so um (laughs) um, a mitzvah and a mensch good words to remember um especially when you're traveling right and so um but what was amazing is as we stood there and we spoke um at the end of the service every person that was a veteran there it was like we all knew each other we all grew up together 
and there were age gaps people in their 60s 30s 20s 40s 50s army navy air force marines right. well you know coast guard uh, we had a few coast guard guys and air force guys we kind of tried to put them in one corner together and just be like play nice <laughs> but <laughs> hey that like true army guys right <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, but we were having, you know, it was it was uh, uh, fascinating, and it reminded me of just what it means. Uh, th- that's the best of America, and I don't know what's happening. We're recording this; it's two days after the election, folks, and everything seems uncertain. And when we air this, it's going to be the week of Thanksgiving, and yeah. we may already be over <laughs> this. But I will say this because it plays to the moment I'm saying it. No matter what happens, that is America. That we're not red or blue. We're not. Democrat or Republican were Americans first, and that's that. And so, so just that story, let it inspire you in this Thanksgiving season to really just just remember that and, and, and let that's it true. kind of sink in um, to understand that beyond our veterans, the community stepped up and other people came through to support it because no one looked at the guy and said, oh, he, did, did he, who did he vote for? No one asked that question, right? Right. right. No one asked that question. And we have veterans from all walks of life that support all political factions. And, and no one's ever said, oh, what do you mean? He's, a, oh, he's, he's, a, I'm not helping him. Nope, not going to happen. Th- th- that doesn't exist. And, and I hope that resonates with all of you, um, non veterans, um, um, in, in, in kind of uh, reducing the tension in our nation, bridging it back, no matter what happens, no matter what happens, uh, just being able. And I hope this series and the reason I did Veteran November and the reason I put that picture up on on election day with everyone's names did it military style mark and you were tagged in it um and right. i don't know if you saw that I but it, it was a reminder for people to look and see that our armed services wasn't could you recognize a democrat or a republican on there you couldn't you know no. what you did recognize though the diversity of the men and women who served our nation amazing diversity i, I think you know you you hear about all this drama in the world um, where there's a lack of diversity or, or this or that. But, you know, the military is a great place it's, it, it, from, from a diversity perspective. Uh, I, I made friends and learned uh, things about people and areas and places um, that I would have otherwise had no way of, of having access to. And uh, even the Air Force guys, you and I were just uh, bopping a little bit with the Coast Guard. I mean, they took care of those planes that I leaped out of, uh, and I even went to their movement operations school. And even in those schools, there was amazing diversity. There was camaraderie. People took care of each other. It wasn't about all this other stuff that you see out in the world. And uh, you know, if only they, if only they could feel that camaraderie. I, 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 you know, the world would be a better place if everybody could have that. Just for even for some fleeting moments. Yeah, Dan Crenshaw for president, folks. Dan Crenshaw and Tulsi Gabbard. That's the ticket. That's what's going to unite America. One of each, right? Yeah. Hey, that's right on. Get, you know, Dan Crenshaw and Tulsi Gabbard. Amazing. You know, that's it, folks. All right. Um, we're way over. This is the longest episode of the series. Um, so, but we're at the end of it, so I don't care. Folks, I will say this. On November 30th, um, Chris Cochran, a bunch of people who have wanted to have on the show, um, Maria Thompson, um, uh, Ken Foster, uh, uh, Pfizer, the state of North Carolina. Uh, you guys know uh, Chris Cochran over at Hacker Valley Studio. Um, he's been on my show a few times and, and, and we've hung out. We're going to do a live stream on November 30th, Monday, November 30th. Um, 
with all of the veterans. People can come in, chime in, tune in, hang out. Um, we're we're going to come in, ask questions, talk, reminisce. Um, we're going to do it in the afternoon. We'll pour a scotch down, and that's how we're going to lock up November and head into the most glorious time of the year, Christmas. Um, where Or for us Jews, Hanukkah, where we get gold coins and um, little spinners. Um, you know, Beautiful. we... You know, and 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 my friends get Xbox and Playstations. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Chris Roberts, man. That's that, that's a, I, I did an event with Chris recently, and man, I tell you, some of the stuff we talked about, we were all over the map. It was very yeah, much like that, but it was just we were having a great time, right? Yeah. So, so so Chris and I um, did a podcast right right before we both spoke at the Tel Aviv University Cyber Week event to promote the event um, a few Fridays ago, and we did it for an hour simply because he was on vacation. Um, it was his daughter's birthday, and they were they were in a hotel somewhere. And so um, that's the only reason we went an hour. Otherwise, we could have gone three, four, five hours easily. Would, you right. know, it, it would have been one of those election coverage things. So without further ado, folks, Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for your service, folks. Mark, thank you again. My pleasure. And thank you for your service. I really appreciate you having me on. Hey, I love it, folks. Veteran November. Tune back. Go catch all the previous episodes. If this, if if you're tuning in and, and marks the first episode you're listening to, go back. Listen to all the other veterans, all walks, shapes, creeds, colors, religions. You name it. It's all. It's all there. It's all there. And you see really what's beautiful about our nation. If you need to be reminded of what's beautiful about our nation, take half an hour a day in the month of November and listen to my podcast. I promise you, it'll inspire you to understand what's really beautiful about our country um, right now. Um, that's it for us here. We'll be back with more November thirtieth live a podcast with all of my friends here and, and and everyone who's been on the show is invited to come back on as well and we're just going to talk it out we'll be on linkedin you can hang out ask us questions just whatever we'll be there until then folks this is james hazer signing off and wishing you all to please stay cyber safe make sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues and get all the latest information at cyberhubpodcast.com 